Today on Locked On Canadians, it's Monday, so we have our three up and three down. But first, we're going to talk about this weekend's games and the positives that we can draw, some exciting stuff, and that's coming up in just one moment on Locked On Canadians. Your Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to episode 571, everybody. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. My name is Laura Saba, also known as the Active Stick, and I'm joined as always by Scott Matlow, Habs Eyes on the Prize, who is hopefully on the mend after being on the IR for most of last week, or mostly in COVID protocol for most of last week. Scott, you are looking better, and I'm so happy to see you looking better. Uh, I wouldn't, I mean, I, I think I have like the raccoon, I haven't slept well in a week eyes, but I feel better in that I can smell and taste things again which unfortunately means when I take the dog out, I can smell what the dog has done. And speaking, <laughs> what the dog, and speaking of what the dog has done and things that are terrible and stinky, the Philadelphia Flyers, everybody. They are not good. Um, and somehow they are still ahead of the Canadians in the standings. I, although much has been made of the fact that Martin St. Louis only needed, what was it, uh, 15? No, not even. 13 games to get 14 games to get eight wins. Um, and, uh, and, and, uh, you know, they were comparing it with the previous coaching staff. And I just, I don't, I don't want to harp on that. Here's what I want to talk about on Wednesday after the Canadians laid an egg in Vancouver. They didn't lay an egg. They, they didn't do that well. Uh, let's say that the Corsis were very, very much not in their favor. Uh, they, the, we talked about how we wanted to see if the Canadians could bounce back from this now against Seattle, they didn't play too much of an exciting game, but they were much more even. In fact, they had this slight edge into the periods. And I think even in overtime, they had like, it, it was boring, but the Canadians were dominant in the overtime, which I think was key. So that was better. And then against the Flyers, they were so much better. So it's not just trending upwards. It's trending upwards quickly, which is what we wanted to see after the Vancouver game. So for me personally, they're giving away points to teams ahead of them in the standings, but they're still winning or playing well. And they are still like maintaining their low position, their high draft pick lottery pick position. But every day I see new things that they improve or work on, or even if it's just Martin St. Louis talking to somebody or pulling up a video of somebody, I'm seeing little things that are improving. And in the Flyers game, it was the Canadians best players that literally were like, I'm here. I'm going to show who I am. I am not even in my prime yet. In fact, I'm still in my rookie year for one of them and they are doing so well. And I just, you know, we're going to go into three up and three down at the end of the, of the episode as we always do, but I have so many that I might need more than three, Scott. I just, after, after this week, I am impressed with a lot of people. It's very wild to me that the Canadians are the second hottest team in the NHL right now. The Bruins are currently on an eight, one in one streak and are the tops in the league in their last 10 Right behind them are the Montreal Canadiens at 7-2-1. and one. The only difference is the Canadians are still in last place, and <laughs> Arizona has a game in hand. So, like, it's, it is stunning how well this is turning out for the Montreal Canadiens. They played 
a bit of a snoozer on Saturday against the Kraken. We'll talk about that in our next segment. And they played a hell of a game and they got an overtime win against the Flyers. They're still bad. They're still at the bottom of the league and everything is going right in what you want to see. I was on Game Over Montreal with Jared Book and Andrew Berkshire and that was what we talked about is that yeah, they're losing games or they might not be winning everything, but you're seeing progress from all of these young players and that's what you want. And this game, and we'd be remiss because we haven't said this already, Cole Caulfield scored another friggin' overtime winning goal on a massive slap shot from the from the uh, faceoff circle that beat Carter Hart clean after Rem Pitlick tied the game off a Ben Sherratt shorthanded setup across the Royal Road. I don't Kyle know Dubas. Who- at Kyle Dubas. <laughs> I don't understand who this Habs team is right now, but they are so fun to watch. And losing sucked. Losing in the shootout to the Kraken was terrible. But at the same time, I go, ah, you got a point that you probably didn't deserve. Who cares? Move on. And in this Flyers game, this is I'm like, this is a game they should have won because they were playing well. And they got to overtime and I go, you know what? They probably stole a point here. That's fine. And then they went out and won the damn thing. I... It's fun to give a crap about Canadians hockey again. And the Flyers game was interesting. I thought Samuel Montembeau played about as well as could be expected on a back-to-back. I thought most of the team looked pretty good. The big issue for me now is they lost Ryan Paling to an upper body injury in this game. And uh, their center depth wasn't very good beforehand. And it's even worse now, unfortunately. Yes, I agree. And I did want to say a couple of things about uh, Cole Caulfield and that big goal. And I also wanted to bring up Rem Pitlick. Obviously, he's quietly, you know, everybody's looking at Nick Suzuki, who had a monster game. And and then they're looking at Cole Caulfield, who's the flashy young player, uh, being small and scoring goals. But what I think, it's he's kind of an unsung hero because he's just been so good at what he's been asked to do that it's, you know, it's astounding to me that they got him for free. And that's something I, I don't even know. You know what? And, and sometimes it happens with certain players where they just they don't fit into their team. They don't they don't crack the lineup. They don't they don't fit into whatever they decide with the team. And then at the end of the day, another team picks them up and they just fit in perfectly. And it just it's it's hard to imagine when when he got picked up. We needed to ask our friend Seth Seth Topol from Locked On Minnesota Wild to explain to us what Rem Pitlick does. Like that's how unknown he was to us. Um, and he's really he's he's been shining in Montreal. So I did want to shout that out. Um, and that's kind of a little preview of the of the three up three down that we were going to talk about. But another thing that I thought was really interesting was uh, Ben Sherratt. Uh, he, if you were watching, if you were the scout at the Kraken game on Saturday night, maybe you're telling your GM not to acquire him. If you're the scout. At the Flyers game on Sunday night, maybe you're telling your GM to give up a first rounder for this guy. It's so funny to me just how it's he's not consistent, but at the same time, like when he does certain things, I feel like he's got an on switch and an off switch. And most of the time it's an off switch. Like they have to figure out how to turn the switch on for longer. But I do think he's one of those people that the Canadians should be shopping. And we're going to talk about this in just one moment because Arturi Lekkanen is now on the IR. Ryan Paling is is injured. Um, And so we're going to get into that. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Kraken game and the differences. And that's coming up in just one moment. But first, I want to tell you about something that I use every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to take control of my health. 
It supports better sleep quality and recovery. It supports mental clarity and alertness. And it's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're, absorb you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All the things, and I can already say it's supporting my gut health amazingly. Right now, it is time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And I got to tell you, it tastes pretty good too. To make it easy for you, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, Scott, let's talk about injuries. Arturi Lekkinen did not make the lineup. He was not in the starting lineup. And I have to tell you, I panicked a little bit. I was I was worried that he was being held out for trade, and I fully admit that. And well, that's the thing is that's the way it was made to seem originally was that he's not in the lineup. Um, he was, you know, uh, that he wasn't going to be playing or this or that. And then there was clips from warm up that it looks like he tweaked something, talked to the trainer and pulled himself out of the lineup, which you know what, to be honest, is a smart, mature decision for any player to be quite honest. So uh, I'm not against it. It kind of sucks because like Lekkonen's been hot, like stupid hot for the Canadians since Martin St. Louis came in and really all season. And I, I don't think that, the Canadians are going to risk potentially injuring a major trade piece or someone they want to extend there. Uh, and then Ryan Paling was lost in the middle of the game. He took a big hit from Justin Braun behind clean hit, just a really hard one. And this is the same day that Cedric Paquette cleared waivers to get to the Laval rocket. And my first thought is he's not even going to get to the first practice because if depending on Paling's injury, the Habs have another game on Tuesday they need bodies. They don't have spare pieces unless people like Dvorak or Druen or whomever are coming back. And they got to wave people anyways to make cap space. Um, it's going to get real interesting to see what happens kind of from here on out now. Uh, trade deadline is, at the time that people are hearing this, a week away, which means that the Canadians have a duty to kind of protect some of their trade assets. Uh, Eric Engels pointed out that might have been Ben Sherratt's last game as a Canadian which, you know what, he's got nine points in his last 10 games. If you want to hold him out, go go right ahead for that. I'm not going to stop you there. Kyle it, Dubas. At Kyle <laughs> Dubas. It's, uh, it, it, it was a weird weekend, like a tale of two entirely different teams. Like the Habs were sleepwalking through the game against the Kraken. We're lucky to get to a shootout and put forth uh, what we can only describe as one of the ugliest shootouts in uh, modern history there where it looked like the Habs were purposely not trying to score goals. And then they followed up with just a dismantling of the flyers overall. I know it was a four, three overtime game, but the Habs were far better. I, 
it's going to be a really weird week here just between the injuries guys who are going to get moved out guys who are going to go up and down from the AHL, the rocket are thin. The lions in the ECHL are even thinner and the Habs are still missing guys. Uh, it's a real challenge for John Sedgwick and Jeff, um, Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes and everyone there. There's a lot of juggling they got to do right now for the next week. And then, then you start playing around with what you've got left, but hopefully Lekkonen's injury isn't serious. Hopefully Paling's injury isn't serious because uh, we're running out of centers at every level in this organization right now. And uh, a Paling injury that's longer term would be a, a huge blow to this team. Do you know what's really funny is that we talked about this on Game Over and we also talked about it in last week's mail mailback is where does Ryan Paling fit into the team? And we said something very foolish, which was if they lost Ryan Paling, I mean, he's replaceable. And I think we said that a little bit too soon because now we've jinxed him and he's injured and the Canadians are, ne- are going to need to figure out what to do without him in the lineup. I, I did also want to talk a little bit about um, the goaltending situation because it truly... I find it baffling that you would start the same goaltender who has been playing while recovering from an injury in a back-to-back when they're playing in the in, in the Flyers and obviously Caden Primo with that family history and all of that. Like, why didn't they play Caden Primo? And isn't this going to be worse for his development? It. I was actually kind of surprised that Montembeau got the start, but I think a lot of it goes from they don't want to... I think put Primo in a situation where he might get lit up again, to be quite honest. Uh, he he hasn't looked great in the AHL after being returned, which some of it, I think he's working just through uh, some mental block up there is that he had a real rough go under Dominique Ducharme and he's got to shake out of that. Goalies are creatures of habit and mentally and, you know, mental strength is a big thing in that. Like, you know, not to make this about the Leafs, but to make fun of the Leafs, Peter Morazic lets in a goal and just completely turns into a pile of crap in a game. Like he's mentally fragile and you don't want to do that with your up and coming goalie potentially of the future here too. And Montembeau for his credit rewarded them. He was really good against the Flyers. I didn't think he was bad against the Kraken either. And he's rewarding good faith in that. I don't think he should be playing every back-to-back and hopefully uh, Jake Allen or uh, Andrew Hammett are back in near, in the near future here because I worry about overexerting Samuel Montembeau and then you're in a situation where uh, Caden Primo is your only NHL contracted goaltender at that point. Um, right, exactly. It's it's a very precarious and dire situation, to be honest. And it doesn't it doesn't really help that we don't really have a timeline for when the people who were intended to be the season's goaltenders, both of them, there's absolutely no timeline for them to return. It's like maybe, maybe tomorrow, maybe two months from now. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is it's like what I, it's no fault of Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon. Like they went out and they got a backup goalie and he did great. And then he, and then he got, then he got injured. Like I, I, <laughs> It's a curse. There has to be some sort of curse on the Canadians. Yeah, because then Michael McNiven, who Pierre Lebrun said was originally supposed to go to Calgary in the trade for Tyler Toffoli, uh, was traded later, and that was the same day that Andrew Hammond was then injured. Like, the only goalies (laughs) left in the organization are right now are Samuel Montembeau, Caden Primo, and then Kevin Poulin is on an AHL contract. Everyone below that is on a tryout deal. Like, the backup is Louis Kindon. They do not have another contracted goalie in Laval right now. 
it's I'll do it. I'm not very good, but I'll do it. <laughs> I mean, Guindon gave up three goals on six shots on Saturday night, so it couldn't it could not be worse. It's uh it's <laughs> it's a tough time to be a goalie here. And they're asking a lot of Samuel Montembeau, and I know his numbers aren't exactly sparkling. He had an 897 going into this game, but at the same time, what it's do you been want him to do? Increasing. <laughs> yeah, like what do you want him to do? He was not meant to be a starting goalie for more than like a couple of weeks, and here we are. So, um, and I think they should wrap them all in bubble wrap. So, just real quick, I wanted to touch on that Seattle Kraken game because it did happen over the weekend, and we do kind of want to be comprehensive in our uh, discussion. So, just a couple of minutes. I uh, I thought the Canadians played really well against against Seattle, but I think what happened was. I found that Seattle was able to trap the Canadians into a dull, lower event second period. And I don't know if that's the way that you saw it, but I did find that the Canadians allowed the Kraken to dictate the course of the game. And when you allow a bad team to do that, it gets really boring. Now, it was the first time that the Bell Center was full since I want to say November, December, when they decided to cut the capacity. I think it was December at that point. Um and so it was a full bell center, which was great. It was really nice to hear it rocking. And they got a lot of hockey because they got a full overtime and they got a long ass shootout. I just, I, I thought that the Canadians could have won that game. I think it was possible for them to, but I did not like how they allowed a boring team to kind of slow down the game. Yeah, it, it, I, I the game against the Kraken was so weird because it's the first time that I can say they played a bad game under St. Louis. Like we've seen them lose games and lose eight, four. And this is the first time I looked at this and went, this felt like a game where Dominique Ducharme was still behind the bench and they moved past it the next day and got a win. Like Martin St. Right. Louis. No, apparently either knows how to give one hell of a pregame or postgame speech, or he's <laughs> way better at adjusting than the previous coach, which is not a high bar. So um, yes, I think the adjustment is key. And and the thing is, like, I, I don't think they played too badly against Seattle. Like, I personally thought they played worse against Vancouver, but I just thought that they just allowed Seattle in and then allowed them to take over where it was so easy for this Canadians team under Martin St. Louis to just not allow to do that and not allow that or to, like, take back control of the game is, yeah. is where I'm at. And, and I, I agree with that. It It's... It, it looks like it was a one-off, which I think is good, is that now it, it does do a lot of good to know that, hey, they had this game go wrong, but you know what? They're going to bounce back in the next one and be ready to go. So I, 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 I can't dwell on the loss too much. They still got a point out of it. They still looked halfway decent at the end when they got their tying goal. Nick Suzuki remains amazing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I absolutely agree with you. And so speaking of amazing, we are going to do our favorite uh, early week segment, which is our three up and three down. And that is coming up in just one moment. But first, it is that time of the year again, as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. I see some brackets everywhere on the internet. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, betonline.net is the number one source for all your betting, all your sports betting needs and info. Bet online remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. Bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online, where the game starts. 
And before we get into our three up and three down, I will tell you what has all of our ups here on Locked On Canadians or on the Locked On Podcast Network as a whole. You, if you've listened to any of our shows, you will know we absolutely love Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It is delicious. It is low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein. They taste like a candy bar. So you can literally get energy by eating something that tastes like a treat. I use them for breakfast. Scott uses them for hiking. There are 18 delicious flavors such as mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond. They got caramel brownie. It's delicious. And you'll find your favorite if you go to built.com and use promo code locked15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code locked 15 for 15% off at bill.com. All right, Scott, we had a couple of things to say about our ups and downs. As always, we will do downs first and then ups because we want to end on a high note. My first down is the Montreal Canadiens power play against the Kraken. It made me want to die. They gave up almost two goals on the same power play. Uh, there's no way that that could be an up this week. It looks disjointed <laughs> at the best of times and it's just been not good. And I don't know if they're overthinking it, if they're overpassing it, whatever they're doing. I it, stop it, please. Just not to, <laughs> yes, yeah, stop it. Not to plug my appearance on game over again. It's been three Saturdays. So like it was last Saturday after the Oilers game. And then like this past Saturday after the, uh, the Kraken game. And then this upcoming Saturday, I will be joining Andrew Berkshire on game over again. And possibly Scott will be joining me as well. He's going to see if we can, and we're going to talk about the Ottawa senators, but on game over, what we were talking about is there is a lack of a quarterback type defenseman on the power play. Like there's guys that can rip a shot. And that's true. You know, even without Shea Weber, there's guys that can hammer a shot at the point. But there's nobody who's a is a quarterback. And I feel like sometimes they try and shoehorn another player into having that role. But often it's somebody with not enough experience or not enough uh, ideas, not enough creativity. So I hate the power play. I hate the Canadians power play. It is really making me sad. After Out of all these things that Martin San Louis is doing that is improving the team, they it's, it's a personnel thing, I think. But also it's a strategy thing. It's two things. They are missing that kind of guy. They need to find somebody like that. Yeah, and I look at this and they go, I, I see Ben Sherratt on PP1. I see Chris Weidman out there and I go, wasn't Jeff Petrie doing a pretty good job like a week and a half ago? What changed in that regard? And that's my only thought is like, hey, just just put Jeff Petrie back on PP1 and put Weidman on PP2. Like, it, this isn't hard, guys. Like, please don't overthink this any more than you already have. Right. And so you had a down that you wanted to talk about. Yeah. So I was watching the uh, Heritage Classic between the Sabres and the Maple Leafs uh, from beautiful uh, snowy Hamilton, Ontario today. And Austin Matthews goes on my down list because one, uh, he, and we talked about this on Game Over, is that he's reached his boiling point, it looks like, with some of his frustrations in that he, he did what Connor McDavid did last year against the Canadians, that he lashed out. And in this one, uh, he and Rasmus Dahlin get in a shoving match. Dahlin bowls him over, uh, and Matthews gets up and cross-checks him in the neck, which uh, you can't do. He does have a hearing with the Department of Player Safety, which is good. I expect absolutely nothing to come of it because it's the Department of Player Safety and, you know, nukes, bear poop, et cetera, et cetera. And then at the end of the game, he gets run over with a clean hit from Dylan Cousins and 37-year-old Michael Bunting, 
who somehow is up for the Calder, tries to run over Bunt or uh, Cousins and gets folded up. And across the board, it's a really embarrassing look for the Maple Leafs. And I am the first person to bask in the glory of Leaf uh, falling apartness, but this is a real ugly, stupid, bad look for so many people on that team. I agree. Um, I have to say the Heritage Classic looked uh, it looked beautiful. It, it did. I was I was very, very impressed with how it looked. And um, obviously, you know, between the Sabres and the Leafs, we would we, we prefer the if the Sabres win. Um, and they did. They've been having a good week beating Eichel and in, in, uh, um, in his return and all of that. I, I just I find that you can't like it's so easy to lose your temper and I get why you would lose your temper, but you can't react like that to it is the issue is that you have to, you know, we've talked about Brendan Gallagher like this as well. It's like, you can't do that. You just can't. And so in this case, it's very much that. All right. So we had two downs. Uh, I don't really, there's nobody really that I want to pick on other than that uh, this week. So let's do our three ups. I think Rem Pitlick, as we talked about in our first segment, uh, I think he's really been a revelation on the Canadians. He's obviously not a defensive uh, stalwart, uh, but he's a good player. I think he's a good he's a good depth player on this team. He's a good offensive depth player on this team. And I like what he's been doing so far. Uh, Scott, who's your first up? I actually had Pitlick as well. He's been <laughs> he's been so good for the Canadians, and he's not going to shoot like the lights out like he is now. He's going to settle into being a bottom six forward. What you know what? He fits the mold of what a modern bottom six forward should be in the NHL right now, and he continues to impress me. He scores big goals for the Canadians. He comes up clutch when it counts. His goal forced overtime tonight, and then he set up Caulfield's overtime winner, which actually leads to my second up for this. Uh, Cole Caulfield remains so goddamn good at hockey. It's I could spend an entire show gushing over how good he's been under Mark Pence <laughs> in the week, but coming off the bench and scoring a clean clap bomb by Carter Hart like that is just, mwah, it's perfect. I love it. It's, it's what I want to see out of a guy like Cole Caulfield. Small boy, big goals. Yes, small goal. That's big what we're goal. seeing. Wow, that was that was. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm going to blame the it on the small COVID. goals boy. Well, yes. like, yeah, that's, that's who he is, but I just wanted to say big goals because I mean, they are important goals. And then I have a feeling, I know who you're going to say for your third up, but I'm just going to let you say it. I was going to say it's Nick Suzuki. Uh, Nick Suzuki <laughs> is so speaking of people who are really goddamn good at hockey, Nick Suzuki, Nick Suzuki, <laughs> sweet mother of wow. God. Is he good? He's so He's good. So good. <laughs> His second golden night doesn't look overly complicated. But he gets his own rebound and across his body just flicks it far corner. Like, oh my God. We're, and he set a new career high in points. And I said this, and I know I keep saying this, but we were on game over. I didn't know he had set a new career high in points this year. And if you had told me you did that with 20-something games remaining on a last-place team where for 45 games they were coached by an idiot, I would have thought you were on <laughs> drugs. <laughs> because oh my god he's so we get 82 games of nick suzuki not being coached by an every idiot year. next year it's gonna every be great year. we get it every year for eight years after this it's like it's so good i we've been watching this kid for three seasons and for three seasons i think at the beginning of his first season he had a couple i think it was like 10 games where he was like just kind of okay and then all of a sudden he found that that gear and then in the in the bubble playoffs, he was amazing. And then in the regular playoffs of the following year, he was amazing. I, 
I, I, there's so many good things that he does. I, I can't like, he's just, he's so lethal on the ice and like, he does it with like the sunny demeanor too. It's amazing. He's so like, he's unassuming. He's quiet. Uh, he doesn't, he's not like, you don't see him do the kind of dirty things that players sometimes do. Like, I'm not saying he's perfect and an angel, but he's definitely generally a good boy. And he just, he plays so well against like the best of the league and it just it blows my mind i'm like we get we get to have nick suzuki for another eight years they better not freaking trade him so um i i you know i'm so excited for i just like just imagine he gets better every year like how much better is he going to be next year and i hope i didn't jinx him so knocking on wood uh so he doesn't get injured or anything like that but wow uh nick suzuki is obviously this podcast's favorite person well, no, favorite player, favorite player. Our favorite person, <laughs> not named Nick Suzuki, is Mark Dumont, as you know. Um, so, all right. I think that's it for this week. We haven't talked about Jack Eichel's comments, even though we brought it up. We're going to talk about stuff like that tomorrow. Um, and so you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube in order to catch our next episode. You'll find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. If you want to find Scott, he's at Scott Matla on Twitter. If you want to find me, I am at The Active Stick on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. And if you liked this podcast, check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey, where they are at absolutely killing it lately.